how was it to be back at work? Really good. <laughs> that was a little <laughs> oh, bit too the joy in your voice. <laughs> it was too enthusiastic. I want to do that again. Um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> no, it was. Um, no, I've been very much enjoying my time at home and with the little one, uh, but also nice to nice to do some work as well. So quite lucky that uh, with the way that things work, I could just sort of do a few days here and there, ease my way back into it. But yeah, it was great. And yeah, very enjoyable. I was working on Dubai on, on the men's event there and got some good matches. Any kind of mum anxiety or was that because this is the first time you've been away from Roger no no <laughs> I always laugh when you call him Roger uh <laughs> no mum anxiety or guilt or anything I just went to work and uh yeah was occasionally sent a picture or a message nice good let me know how he was getting on and all was fine <laughs> so yeah I think it went as well as it as it could have I felt yeah pretty comfortable and how was your first mother's day Oh, well, I was at work. (laughs) But not in the morning. When you woke up, I'm hoping you weren't at work. No, and I got some chocolate. So good work, baby Rog. Well done, Roger. (laughs) Wow, he's done well for his first... He's he's set his bar. I was made breakfast in bed, but then they came and sat with me and ate it. Wait, was it made by them? Yes. So... Oh, so was it it any good? Well, I I mean, remember, they're, they're five just before people think what on earth are they doing so it was a piece of bread that had been sort of buttered there was like a whopping great chunk of butter in one corner and it hadn't (laughs) really spread out and then there was a hole in the bread at some point there was a couple of these crisp roll things with butter on it and a glass of apple juice okay and then they ate it all (laughs) oh right i was gonna say did it taste good yeah well i don't know they sat next to you said look what we've done for you and then they ate it but it was really they spent they spent the rest of the day saying mommy you're in charge Mummy, you're in charge. Mummy, you're in charge. So that was that was quite nice to be. Oh. Yeah, to be in. I don't think I really was, but that, you know, it was it was lovely, and it was nice to to be here to spend it with her. Now, before we go on, um, Nat, who asked the question about juniors last week, and oh, will yes. Hi, Nat. and will a number of them get lost to the pe- well? It might be hello and an apology because she got in touch to say. She is not the finger sniffer, but the singer from Canada. <laughs> oh, God. sorry, Nat. Sorry. It was, I had it in my head. That's all it was. You had finger sniffing in your head? Yeah, absolutely. As you do. So, yeah, so she just sent a message saying, thank you for the answer. But also, that's not what I've been doing. I've been singing. And um, um, we know that. So thank you, Nat. <laughs> now, <laughs> in terms of... Okay, in terms of tennis and storylines, one thing we talked about last week that was about to happen now has happened is Roger Federer returned to tennis. How how was that? How was his return to tennis for you? Well, he played in Doha. Yeah. Uh he won a match and then lost, I think. Did he play two matches? Maybe more. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I should really know. I do know. <laughs> I did watch all of the matches. But you know, Tennis is one of those things. There, there's a lot. You know, it's not like there's just there's just a lot going on. There's well, the, a well, lot the, of the first the first match stands out because it was the first match back against Dan Evans and the win. Yeah, of course. And then the loss stands out because then he lost, and that was to Baslash Philly, who really hadn't beaten anyone in a rather long time, and then went on to win the tournament. But in, in terms of of Federer, did did that tell you anything new about Federer? Is he going to go on for another ten years? Were there were there worries? Were you impressed? Were you not? 
I suppose I wasn't surprised at the level that he produced, but I, I'm always impressed by it. And he was talking about, wasn't he, saying that he's just always been the sort of player that can just pick up and play and find that decent level. He doesn't need to train loads and really feel super confident in what he's doing. He knows he's got the level. And I've mentioned it a couple of times, but it's a little bit easier when you have the skill level of Roger Federer to feel confident when you haven't played for quite some time. But yeah, he really was playing at a good level, so... Yeah, I mean, look, it's great to see him back. I mean, he did, he pulled out of Dubai the following week, which is a big blow for that tournament. Of course, he's been a, a stalwart at that event for some time. And, and yeah, just hopefully physically he will be able to play. But he's looking to peak for the grass, peak for Wimbledon, which I think is a good plan. So he's going to sort of build it up slowly. But it has been quite some time since we've we've seen him. But I thought his level was great. Movement was great. He looked really sharp. And yeah, I mean, all positives. Is the worry going to be, though, or is this something that will come back in time in terms of he said he wants to peak for Wimbledon and, and boy, how he'd love another Wimbledon title. But is he going to keep a sustained level for winning seven matches in two weeks? I know you get days off at Grand Slams, but could that possibly the, be the concern? Or am I just jumping to conclusions because that was his first tournament back and it did seem to see that the level dropped off a little bit as the matches passed? Yeah, I mean, look, it's definitely a concern. I think it's more of a concern with every passing year, really, isn't it? Um, it just that's that's how it is. It is a huge physical challenge to win a Grand Slam. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really tough. I think it's going to be the hardest part of him being back is playing those best of five set matches and um, trying to back them up. But he's clearly playing at a high level. As you say, it's just about the, the maintenance. I, I mean, I don't really want to guess either way to be honest, because we know he can play well enough and it's hard to know with the body. Okay, he's had these injuries, but he has come back from significant chunks of time out before and been absolutely fine. And okay, he's older now, so maybe it's becoming more difficult and maybe it's a bit more crowded in the top 10 with these other players that are threats that could take him out because it used to just be really Nadal and Djokovic that he would be concerned about apart from maybe one rogue player or one sort of bad match from him but that didn't really happen that often so but now you kind of feel like well if Medvedev's playing well or if Sitsipas is playing well you know team as well so there are a few more sticking points for him so that look there are a number of issues of course it's tough to win a slam he's done it enough times to know that Medvedev is our new number two he got there he's done it first one outside of the usual suspects since 2005 you know that is surprising isn't it yeah yeah I mean, big up Medvedev, great effort. But then we've got we we've got this now little. It was started by Sasha Zverev, who's who's become a dad, was playing, is playing in in Acapulco. Um, about the rankings, so he's come out and said, "I love Roger Federer," and obviously until recently he was part of Team Eight, that is Federer's agency. Um, but he's he's having a little bit of a word about the rankings, saying that. It, it doesn't work because Roger Federer is still where he is in the rankings, which he shouldn't be because he hasn't been playing, whereas other people are trying, trying, winning and winning, and they're barely moving because players are holding on to points. And and you sort of think, well, at the beginning, no one had a problem with this because this system was put in place so people wouldn't feel that if they didn't feel safe in the middle of a pandemic they would have to travel because as we know in tennis you don't play you don't get paid and that 
you know, we still have this, we still have COVID. It's still out there. It's still cancelling tournaments and causing problems and there are restrictions. So, I mean, can you, do you understand why there are some frustrated players now we seem to have more tournaments back underway? Yeah, because it just feels like the tennis tour is back up and running again. I mean, I can't name any players that have have stated that they are not travelling because of COVID. They're just not going to compete. Can you think of we, anybody? Well, we've got Gilles Simon who said, I'm not, he said, and that's because of bubble life. He's saying, I'm stepping back. I can't do it. And, and actually recently, Denis Shapovalov, who's, who's playing at the moment, said that if this continues, he will play less because he feels it's very unhealthy mentally to be stuck in a hotel, to have these bubbles. So as I say, Gilles Simon, we know, has said, until things ease, I'm not going to play. But if you're talking about the the players who are in and around the kind of top 10, top 15, then most of them, maybe on a slightly reduced schedule, are still playing. Yeah, so it, it doesn't feel like there is a need for for this sort of ranking system anymore. But look, I I can't work out the maths of how it would <laughs> would change things. I mean, obviously Federer wouldn't be where he's ranked. I think Rublev was saying that he would be ranked number four. He's currently number eight on the system that that is in place at the moment. So they asked. Uh, I think the, the yeah the journalists were asking him what he thought, and he was like, "Well, I'd be number four, so you can, <laughs> you can guess what I think." Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's a valid point, and I can see the frustrations. But there is an end point to it now but yeah I mean if you've pretty much just got the odd player not playing but then maybe it's there as like a contingency in case there's a third wave or in case something else happens or you know I I, I don't know really but it does just feel like everybody's playing but things still aren't normal are they we, we can't in any way say that things that the, a few things like I don't know schools opening recently that made life feel a little bit more normal and in the UK there apparently is an end in sight in terms of restrictions easing but it's by no way normal it now it? sort of just feels like the tennis tour I know we don't have Indian Wells and there are going to be some modifications to the the schedule but that affects everybody really um so yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but maybe it's because it helps the players lower down. That might be a thing because there's no tournaments for players who are ranked lower, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of outside 100, 150, that sort of thing. It's really, really tough for them at the moment. So maybe because you, you, you can't just focus on one section, you've got to do it for everybody. So maybe it's the fact that the ITF are saying we just cannot get these professional tournaments on because there's been barely any for the women. There have been some challenger events for the men, but it's still not enough. And then, of course, way down at the entry level stuff, there's been almost nothing in terms of the 15Ks and and, and that sort of thing. So maybe it's just that actually it's for everybody else. And OK, at the top end of the game, you're lucky because you're able to compete, but unlucky because Rublev is <laughs> not getting not getting the rewards and the guy can't lose. He cannot he's won, lose. He's won about 100 matches at 500 level. <laughs> Yeah. It's just, he must think, what do I have to do? <laughs> well, you've just got to win another hundred. <laughs> you've just got to keep going. As you... it, yeah, it, look, it it must be it must be frustrating, but I think you're right. It's looking at the bigger picture. I mean, we, we tend to hear from those at the top of the game because they have the platform. They have the platform where they're at these tournaments, they're asked the questions and they give answers. Whereas, as you say, it's probably more, if you look at the bigger picture, the players lower down who you don't hear from, who are actually struggling to find tournaments and to find places 
they can get to. Yeah, and it has been really difficult, and it and that does not look like it's going to end anytime soon. No. I mean, really, I think the whole of twenty twenty one is going to be very, very frustrating for players. Sort of ranked that, yeah, one fifty to well, everybody lower down for sure. Um, but yeah, so it, it is. It is really difficult. Um, I'm afraid. So maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe I'm going to back those those players up. You can't really do it differently for the top of the sport. So I. I'd see if you agree with me on this one. One player, if I said I feel there's one player who maybe should take a step back away from tennis for a little bit, could you guess at who I'm alluding to? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, that's a bold statement. But uh, I believe you might be referring to our, our friend Benoit Pair. <laughs> yeah he's having a hard time he's having a hard time he's he's not doing things that are great he to be honest though with the antics that have gone on this week you could have been talking about Damage because he was kicking off and then some in his match but I have a feeling Benoit has been going on for quite a while is that where you, am I right? Yes, or are you no, just sort no. of going with me? No, I know. I... <laughs> like, I was thinking about Rafa Nadal, but I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, well, he has taken a step back. We haven't seen him since Australia. <laughs> and we're not going to see him till the clay. Uh, no, it is Benoit Pair, And I think, as you said, Damien Azuma, you just can't, you can't be doing these things. I don't know if any of it's linked to the pandemic. As I said, Denis Shapovalov recently came out and said, look, it is not healthy. And Gilles Simon saying mentally this is not good for me. I cannot operate when things are like this and I'll come back when we can. Maybe it's not linked to that at all, but it just feels like with Benoit Pair, and I know he had a real shocker from when the tour resumed last year to the, the positive test and then he kept being positive and it seemed to come back and and that he just, he need, I don't know, I just think that, sure, and I know again, if you're not playing, you're not getting paid, but surely the healthy thing for him would just be to say, you know what? And you can use even you can use the pandemic as an excuse if you need to, right? You can say, as has been said, and it might not be an excuse. It's just too difficult at the moment. When things come back to normal, I will see you then. But well, he has been using it a bit of a, as an excuse already, hasn't he? Because he's been talking about how he plays for fans, and there yeah. are no fans, so why am I playing? Which you well, can, so you can sort of play, understand. Then. Well, don't play, well, yeah. Right, Don't, like Nick Kyrgios has, has pretty much said, uh, you know, Australian Open, he got to play in front of of crowds. Oh, we had the five days when there were no fans, but then then don't do it. Like if I want to, a lot of the players have voiced it, you know, from Federer to Nadal about them not playing. It's just strange not playing in front of fans. They don't really want to be doing it. So surely, I mean, like, look, I don't know Pear's financial situation, but I would imagine if he stepped away for a couple of months. He's not going to have trouble playing the mortgage. Yeah, I I don't know. It does seem bizarre. It seems like he's incredibly unhappy, which is always a bit concerning. You know, you do want yeah. people to take time out and look after themselves, but it just feels like it's almost escalating as it as it just keeps keeps going. And and we we talked. Look, I mean, back last summer, um, British summer. Sorry, Aussies. Um, <laughs> August, I'm talking about. You know, he had a he had a really rough time of it. It was pretty oh, unlucky yeah. with the yeah. with the COVID situation, and it was you know, I can understand why he was frustrated at the U.S. Open and and everything from that moving forward. And then he kept testing positive for it, and it was yeah, it was it was really difficult. Um, 
Um, yeah, I think, I don't know, it's just sort of spiralled, hasn't it, really, for him. And, and it's always he's always had that sort of air about him. I mean, I love watching him play when he plays properly. He's fantastic to watch, but um, yeah, at the moment, not so much. I haven't really got those recent memories of him playing. Do you know what I mean? It seems to be so clouded <laughs> with all the... Like when you say, when he's on, he's on. I just can't really remember him being on. I'm, I'm, just, I'm trying to think and I'm just... It's been a while. It's been a while. And look, he, he suffered with COVID and then, as I say, he kept being positive. They talk about shedding and you can be positive for, for months and months. But I don't know, you, you just get to a point where just... Just step back, just take a little bit of a break, sit on an island, sit in a darkened room, whatever works for you, and then just come back. Because it's just, it's. I think at first there was a lot of sympathetic people because of everything he'd been through, but you feel he's losing some of that sympathy now. Well, yeah, I mean, what was he do? He was basically just walking from side to side. I mean, he just wasn't. He wasn't playing at all. It wasn't like he was sort of, oh, missing a lot and just not being very good. He just... And he's been spitting on the court and it's just, it's, yeah. th- look, these are strange times for everybody. I just think with, and hopefully with Damage Humor, it, 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 it was a one-off and that won't be repeated and he's going to be fined quite heavily for it. But with Pear, I, I just feel, I just feel it's a vicious circle. We're going round and round and round and round and round. Yeah, now, it doesn't feel like there's an end point, does it? No, and you just 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 break the circle, break the cycle, step away, come back. And look, if it carries on, then there are bigger issues to worry about. But maybe a little bit of a break, maybe come back when for Roland Garros or I don't know. I, I yeah. Well, how how do you how do you solve Benoit Pair? I'm not sure you do. Um, Miami has had expected withdrawals. Would you say you're not that surprised at the? Federer, Nadal, Team, Vavrinka, Peya, Gasquet, Kyrgios, Andujar, just a few names. Uh, sort of surprised or not surprised at the players pulling out? Uh, yeah, I mean, not surprised at Nadal. More surprised at Team. But then I saw him play in Dubai. It wasn't great. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I kind of get it now. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, Fed disappointing. I think he would play if he could. Um yeah, it's it's tough to read into, I think, with Fed, because obviously he played a couple of matches and you would hope that he'd be be, be able uh, to get back um, in time for Miami. But big blow for the tournament, really, but huge opportunity. The, the points are still the same, I believe. <laughs> to be honest, things are changing so much. The prize money's not the same, but the points are still the same. I was thinking this. I was thinking this is, like you, oh, massive opportunity, but then I forgot who is still playing. Oh, well, well, okay, maybe not to win, but you can, if, <laughs> hey, if you're not in the same half as him. Yeah, but it's weird, isn't it? I was thinking, wow, what an opportunity. Someone can get their first master. I was like, oh, right, so Djokovic is still playing. Yeah. Okay. I know. God, he's <laughs> annoying, isn't it? Pesky Djokovic. But what about the but women's, though? What What's the what's the standard with the women's? I think it's pretty good, like yeah. less withdrawals. Yeah, a lot less withdrawals on the women's side. And, and for me, it's so exciting. I mean, we got a glimpse of it, didn't we, in Australia? Uh, the potential rivalries for this year and, and Muguruza, who is just, she just looks so good at the moment. But we've got Osaka to come back, who's taken the time off, and Andreescu to get fit, and, and Barty's going to base herself in a certain part of the world to be able to play and Halep. And I, I'm really excited about the women all coming together at this event and, and seeing what happens. And, and so, for, look, there's still time for players to pull out. And I think the other thing is, um, 
it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because normally you have the sunshine double. So the players will base themselves for Indian Wells and Miami. And as you mentioned, Indian Wells postponed slash suspended for this year. And with the travelling and with the extra things you have to think about with travelling, and then it all goes on to clay. I get why for a lot of them, it doesn't make sense to play Miami. What, as a standalone event without the Indian Wells? Yeah, it's it's in these current times, it's a lot more hassle. And that sounds awful to say that, but you see what I mean? Normally you're based in, in a part of the world, they're over there, but now with having to take longer to get places and the extra testing and maybe an element of quarantining or bubble life, I can see why some players thought, you know what, all of that for one tournament in that part of the world where after that it's all clay for for the next six eight weeks and then on top of that they don't lose their points from last year they can hold on to it and you know the money's not what the money normally is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you like that <laughs> no I don't and, know how to say it I don't want to be out of order and, and act like they only play for money but the, this is their job yeah and like a lot of people last year there wasn't a lot of work so I, I can see why and they're getting though they're getting a lot less um but I so you can kind of see why for I don't want to say it's not worth it because that but you see what I mean that it doesn't make sense to play Miami ahead of the clay starting does that does that make more sense yeah i, I yeah I, I do think that i actually hadn't considered the fact that it was a standalone event as being a reason i thought it was just the points and the money i mean if you've got decent points in the bag you've got the hassle of going there and the, the quarantining and the traveling and the extra risk that, that brings and uh yeah so i you know I, I can understand it but then again maybe that's why they're leaving the ranking system as it is just to allow players to do that and to not feel forced into to going to events that they're not comfortable with but I think especially with the top top players it's it's interesting because what was I reading Djokovic has got quite a lot of points to defend because you know he won a lot last year uh and uh the year before because those points are still counting um and uh, yeah, you know, it's quite interesting because Medvedev doesn't actually have much points, many points to defend. He doesn't have many points over the French and, and Wimbledon. So he could make some real games. I mean, look, there's a long way to go to catch Djokovic <laughs> at number one. He, he would he would have to do pretty well and probably win one of the slams. But yeah, he could really close the gap. I mean, Medvedev at Roland Garros has, has, has not been a thing. Well, I'm not banking on that work at this point. (laughs) That wasn't going to be my main focus. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really not been a thing, has it? And then and onto the girl. Yeah, it wasn't. I I think I read the same piece that he could actually be number one without winning a slam by the by the back end of this year. Because, as you say, he's he's got. Well, there's a reason he's got nothing to defend. He didn't do that well in 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 the ones he did play when he could play on those two respective surfaces. But look, it's given him... The first thing he's done is he's got to number two, and that was the little hiccup. Remember, tournament before, he kind of flipped out, mini meltdown, and we were thinking, uh, is it because he knew that reached the final and he'd be number two? But he's he's cracked that, right? He's number two. So it's. Uh, I think it, it's going to be intriguing to see how... We know Rublev's got to win about another 3,000 matches to to go higher than world number eight. So he's got, he, <laughs> he's, <laughs> <Poor Rublev. laughs> and you know what? If anyone can do it, he can do it. 
So (laughs) if there's one person, men or women, anywhere in the world, that man can do it. But he's a long way off. But Medvedev, he's at number two. He's there. And as you say, there's not a lot going on in terms of points for him from the clay onwards. So, I mean, could you imagine that? I mean, that would be... And you know what I think that might be good for? That might be good for Djokovic. What, some pressure? Yeah, not to say he's not going to try, but we've seen at some Masters events where, I think it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it, in in Miami or Indian Wells, and he was a bit like, he sort of failed to deliver that we expect him to deliver, and he was kind of like, yeah, but I'm peaking for the slams now. And I think it was a couple of years ago when he was going to sort of sweep them all up at Roland Garros, and he didn't. Oh, no, he did. But he said, I'm peaking for the slams, I'm peaking for history, I'm peaking for records. And he's got, what, the Golden Masters slam twice now, hasn't he? Um, So not to say that he won't try, but I think if he suddenly, he's got this longest record at number one now, Djokovic, he'll want to extend that as far as possible. And, you know, Federer's sort of going the other way in the rankings currently at the moment. And Adal's kind of picky and choosing, but he's got the clay coming up and team not having a good fist of it at the moment. It's going to be interesting to see and I know he crunched him in the final in Australia, but I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can get a nice little rivalry going, especially on the, the best of three set events. And I don't know, I, I could be, it could be nice, healthy competition for Djokovic. Yeah, could he now, now go with me on this because I fear okay. that I might upset people. Oh. I may even upset myself by saying what I'm about to say, but could oh. he be like an Andy Murray? like you were saying, is in Andy was part of the big four. Yeah. But he, he was not racking up slams like the other three were. And he did, of course, win some slams and he got three to his name. But could it be like, you know, Andy reached the final of the Australian Open five times, unable to win it. But Andy also won an awful lot of tournaments, an awful lot of Masters events. He did beat Djokovic a lot in the best of three set formats and Federer and Nadal, and he was doing that. But do you know what I mean? As in he was he was the really annoying guy uh, picking up <laughs> lots of titles and getting some slams and yeah, doing an yeah. amazing things. But, you know, we have to be, as much as I think he's the best player there's ever been, he's not. <laughs> so- so I can't, I can't, you know, let's be realistic. Um, you know, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but Medvedev, from what you were saying there, is that how you sort of see it? Like he could maybe get lots of wins against these top guys in the best of three format and then maybe nick a few slams here or there. No, I, I was thinking primarily, I was thinking short term in that over the tournaments he's got between now and say the end of the year where he could be number one, that's where he's been excelling. So in terms of this particular race, if we're calling it a race with Djokovic, then I think he could do really good because we saw in Australia, there is still a gap. There's a gulf. I don't think it's physical. It's mental. It's a, you know, Djokovic was in his backyard in Australia. Medvedev completely crumbled, even though he was the guy with the form without an injury who'd had been unbeaten for months and months. But he just, he just couldn't do it. But different when he's on the best of three set format where he's more comfortable where he's a little bit more proven and no I think I think Medvedev could go on to win a lot of slams I I I really do but I just think in the short term if we're thinking about could he be number one by the end of the year I think he's got a really good shout because if he could possibly do it without winning a slam so he doesn't have to win the French which he's not going to 
At least not this year. Probably not ever. Uh, <laughs> wow. No. Well, I'm just really basing it on what I've seen of Medvedev at Roland Garros, which maybe is a bit unfair. Well, it's not unfair. Okay. It's the only do evidence you, you got you, to go off. Okay. Do you think Medvedev will ever win Roland Garros? Oh, ever. See, the thing ever. is, is like he should. Ever. He should have quite a long time to play post Nadal. But you've got team. For team, a starter yeah. who could do the Nadal thing. Yeah, but else. who else? Zverev better on clay? Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, but he could improve. <laughs> I, I, think, I don't know. I, think I you wouldn't want bank to ag- on it. I think you want to agree with me, but I could I could see Medvedev winning Wimbledon over Roland Garros. Yeah, no, and I, I get that. But look, I mean, he's going to be at his best on the hard, isn't he? Yeah, and and, and uh, but I think if there's a possibility he could be number one at the end of the year without winning a slam, I think he's got a really good shot at it between now and then. And it's going to be interesting to see if it spikes the interest of Djokovic. Do you see what I mean? It's going to be interesting to see if if that gives Djokovic a little bit of fire. He's got enough of that. But in terms of having that competition, because you just don't feel there's been... I don't know. I, I just don't think there's been an awful lot of that level of competition for him. And I think, yeah, I think it could be interesting with Medvedev going forward. Because Medvedev, can you imagine? Someone said to Medvedev, you could possibly be number one by the end of the year. I think Sven is agreeing with me. Or not. Sven, or is he not? Sven has barged in. He's opened the door. Has he? And he's, uh, he's getting involved in the conversation. What? He must have heard me speaking about Andy Murray in a way that he's not happy about. <laughs> I know, Sven, I'm not happy either. I'm starting to wonder why we didn't call your baby Andy instead of Roger. I'm trying to think back why I started naming him Roger. For people listening, that is not the name of Naomi's baby. But I'm wondering why we went Roger and not Andy now. Oh, because, well, Roger's a good name, isn't it? Are you Maybe saying And Are you saying Andy's what? not a good name? <laughs> Andy's a wonderful name. <laughs> Stop it! It's not fair. It's not my baby's name. Um, but it, the um, on the women's side of things, how yes. are you feeling about from what you've seen as to what we could expect? Like the biggest question mark for me, I think, is Ash Barty. What do you mean question mark? What's your question as to as to how she is going to perform? I know world number one. I know in Australia we could read into that, we could not read into that. She hadn't played enough matches, was it this or that? I just, I'm just going to be really interested to see how she performs. I think there's still a couple of question marks about Ash Barty. I don't know if that sounds silly or not because Grand Slam winner being world number one. But I just, I think with everything with COVID and not traveling for so long. And I don't know, I'm just, she's one of those players I'm just sort of putting a question mark by for 20. I understand that and as much as you know, her Roland Garros win was fantastic and amazing so yeah. so enjoyable and I just the, the amount it surprised herself I mean <laughs> it's just great isn't it but she I mean she's not the best player in the world and I don't think she has been the best player in the world I know she's been number one and has had the best results but that was at the period of time when Osaka was trying to deal with her multi-millions and her $30 million deals so that she could kind of know what's what. And now Osaka's yeah. back and Osaka's the best player in the world. I, you know, I think she's the best player in the world comfortably. And then there's a group behind her. And, and I think Barty will absolutely be very comfortable in that group. But 
it's it you know it's amazing i mean i've i've been having conversations with people and and you just sort of when i've been talking about men's number 1 and women's number 1 because it was just a topic of the conversation that that happened um you just sort of talk about osaka like uh, what well, I do anyway. And I was talking about Djokovic. Well, if Djokovic does this, well, what about Osaka as the women's number one? And she's not yeah. number one, but she very much is the best player in the world. And, and I, you know, I think she will secure that top spot for quite some time. So I understand the question marks. I, the thing is, is that I don't really have question marks over Barty because I, I don't really put her as, as having been the best player in the world. Like I think what she's achieved has been amazing and it was great to see her back playing in Australia. And I think she played at a really good level, really encouraging that she's going to be right up at the top there. You know, can she win more grand slams? Absolutely. Could I see her winning Wimbledon? Definitely. Like, I mean, she's definitely going to be up there, but um, I'm not going to say that Osaka's going to dominate. I just think that she's head and shoulders above the rest at the moment. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. One person, I did I ever think I'd talk about them on the podcast? Probably not. Ooh. Don't know if you're going to be as surprised. Uh, Eugenie Bouchard wanted to mention Bouchard because she's been playing a fair amount recently, and I just. I don't know, this may sound patronising saying I'm admiring. I'm just, I'm really pleased to see her back out there working through the levels. Do you see what I mean? To to get back to some kind of level. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, she's been playing regular. I mean, she never really stopped, to be honest. I mean, she had the issue a long time ago now with the concussion and, and that that situation which put her out for, for a little while. But um, ultimately, she she has just sort of, kept on going and when she's had to drop down levels she has just dropped down levels and just sort of got on with it um and I think because she sort of did it without really batting an eyelid it felt like I think people thought that she just didn't really care so much because she was like okay well I'm now I'm not in slams I'm in slam qualifying I'm this is how it is um but yeah no I mean reaching the final of a tour event really good work uh from her and you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of off-court antics. And I remember actually when I was young, um, I'm not saying it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. But, uh, for example, Anna Kornikova was the one that people would talk about, the, the off-court stuff more than the on-court stuff. Yeah. And actually, you know, I remember somebody saying to me, well, she was a top 10 player. Like, she... <laughs> She was legitimately a world-class tennis player. And people talk about her in this way as if like, she was just a model who played a bit of tennis and just happened, like, popped onto the tour with a wild card here and there. It's like, you no, know, she was legitimately world-class. You know, Eugenie Bouchard reached the final of Wimbledon. She has been right up at the top of the game. Like, it, it wasn't for, for very long. She wasn't there for years on end. But, you know, we know the level that she can play. Um, 
and yeah so i think it, it's nice I, I wouldn't be surprised if she you know got her her game really together and made a big push up to the top 20 again do i see her being in a final of slam again not really but yeah it could happen do you think she's because everyone said about the bouchard game is there was, there was no plan b there, there was there was one yeah. plan and and when it worked it worked that was that year and it worked so well semi-finals of slams final at wimbledon did really really well and then there was no plan b people figured it out she wasn't able to adapt do you, so you you could seriously see her with the work she's putting in getting back into the top 20 with her game you don't feel that too many have, have surpassed her now no i think with her game it's a confidence-based game because it's so high risk plan a when it's working when she's feeling good and everything's rolling and she's getting a lot of match wins under her belt then i think that yeah it's a great game it's a really good level but it's a bit unbalanced so if her confidence takes a knock then she's left with not a lot on the court to really rely on um but you've got to remember like in tennis it's quite unique i think to this particular sport i mean there are other sports but you know when you lose you lose the opportunity to compete for the rest of the week. And in a lot of sports, whether it's football or rugby or you know, NFL, whatever it is, you have a schedule and you just keep playing. You just play the, you play the next, you play the 90 minutes, and then you, you go out and you play three days later or whatever it is. seems like it's every day at the moment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot of football on in this country right now. Uh, every time I'm like, they're playing again? Oh. Yeah. They're playing catch up. <laughs> everyone's everyone's playing. But you, but some players they say that, don't they? They'll enter tennis players, they'll enter doubles as well. Yeah. So then if they get knocked out early in singles, they've got another chance to play and complete in the doubles. Yeah, but it's just not the same. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but it's just it's not the same as playing in singles. And Jack Sock's three year window completely demonstrates why singles is not the same as doubles because he couldn't lose the playing doubles. We had? Do you remember that podcast we had? We were sitting at the O2 Arena and we were talking about Jack Sock. And I was sort of saying to you, but of course his doubles has been helping his singles. And you're like, and it hasn't. That's and just said, my opinion. Definitely- that There are loads of players, loads of people, loads of coaches, loads of players that believe that it does help hugely. And of course, I just don't understand adds- how it can't. No, no. I just don't understand how it can't. Of course it adds as in you're practicing your serves and your returns and you know, you're getting sharp and you have a bit more of a competitive vibe. It's much better than playing practice sets, but it is not it's 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 such a small percentage I think of effectiveness in comparison to say playing a singles match. And that's what I was saying is that the problem is is that things can really spiral in tennis. If you lose first round you don't get the chance to compete for the rest of the week. The most important thing about getting the W is that you get to play again. It doesn't matter how you played. If you played terribly and you come off the court and you just about got the win, but you're sort of sulking a little bit because you didn't play very well, the first thing your coach will say to you is, okay, but you've earned the opportunity to play again. You're playing again tomorrow. That's that it, it's so valuable because everybody you know on day one, well, I mean, a lot of tournaments are spread over two days, but, but you know, on day one, half the tournament's gone. That's it. You know, thanks for coming. You've lost in an hour and a half. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it, you know, and it's really hard. And, and for, for Bouchard, it's it's really difficult to just get those back-to-back matches, especially when she had to really chip away with her game because it was way, way off. So the next time she would play, it would be a little bit better. 
And then we thought, okay, and we did, we saw this, I think it was through 2019, we saw much better level from her, but it was really tough for her to get the wins. She just couldn't get the W, but you were looking at it going, this is, this is good, this is good. But then again, you don't get the W and then you have to wait another six days or seven days until you play again, if you're playing the following week. And yes, we're lucky in tennis because we have tournaments week after week after week. And look, you know, if you're a hundred meter runner, this is totally different end of the spectrum in terms of, you know, you you got your one shot. (laughs) That's it. You make one mistake and you're not going to win. Or if you're not Usain Bolt back in the day, you're not going to win. So I I understand that there's, you know, there's, there's definitely differences, but you know, it is a really hard part in tennis. Ideally you want to be competing for properly competing in singles matches two to three matches per week and you can maintain your level of confidence. If you're consistently playing less matches, you're playing one or two matches per week, your confidence will take a knock because it's a long stretch until your next match and then it's a long one again and again and again. So if you go first round, second round, first round, second round, after those four tournaments, your confidence is down. It's really tough. But if you've made it through, if you've gone third round, second round, third round, second round, totally different kettle of fish yeah it's about trying to get that momentum if anyone does want to hear our sock double singles debate i think was that the first time we've kind of disagreed i think that was <laughs> it's it was a few years ago at the tour finals you'll find it if you go back through the pod see it was there that was, that was quite a far i remember that debate now um yeah so i just wanted to mention bouchard because she's i, I like the fact she's still out there fighting she doesn't need to, she could stay at home she's she's sorted for life financially i would i would assume but I like the fact that she's still out there and, and still going for it. Um, I have, not me personally, superhero dress-up day at school tomorrow. Oh, so fun. Yeah, but do you like dressing up? No. No, see, I, I hate dressing up. But it's good for children. Yeah, well, I've, I I one that does and one that doesn't. So tomorrow we've got a Spider-Man. Okay, superhero. oh, nice. Yep, strong choice. And Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm not sure Sonic the Hedgehog is a superhero. No, he's a hedgehog. Well, he's a blue hedgehog that collects coins or rings or something, isn't he? Um, But we've kind of gone with it because to someone, my son, he's a superhero. Is that fine? Well, I think it's fine, yeah. But how are you going to, how is he going to be Sonic the Hedgehog? Well, we've done quite well because the problem is kids want to wear these like all-in-ones, like onesies. You know, they want to be, so uh, one of mine, because the week after we've got World Book Day, like it's a, I love World Book Day was ages ago. No, well, hmm. wait till you're starting making costumes at midnight the night before for World Book Day. So it's happened, but it's next week the school are doing a special one. Right. And one of mine wants to be a Zog, is a dragon. What's a Zog? Right. Zog is a dragon. Okay. He's an orange dragon, okay. right? Cool. He's in a Julia Donaldson book. He wants to be a Zog. Great, but you zip him up, things can get very complicated with like toilets and mm-hmm. stuff. See what I mean? Because they're wearing an all-in-one. Yeah. You know, the zips at the back and the zips at the... Uh, so that you try and deter them. You want two-piece. You want a two-piece outfit, ideally. Right, okay. So we've kind of copped out on the superhero day. They've got like a... He's got a Spider-Man top and a Spider-Man like hooded top. Okay. So it's like a Marvel top. It's quite nice. So that's it. And then like trousers. Yeah. So it's eh, like cop out. And the other one has got a Sonic long sleeve t-shirt and a Sonic hoodie with like ears. Oh, got some ears. There you go. So, so we're not all we're not all in one. We're not doing the all in ones. Um, but I thought that was fine. 
I thought as long as that's what they're comfortable in. So I said, well, that's what they want. So we're doing that. I say World Book Day. I've got a Where's Wally. Nice. Fine. Two piece. Easy. And we've got Zog. And Zog. So, Didn't you do Where's Wally yeah. before? Yeah. He just wants to be Where's Wally again. <laughs> Is it the other one now? Which, oh, no, no, same, no one. same one. Because oh, get... that would be so good. You could alternate. <laughs> well, he's had a growth spurt, so we had to get a new Where's Wally. But it, it's a two-piece. I mean, these things, I mean, literally, all you could hear mothers talking about is, what's your child going as? Is that a book character? Is that a superhero? Is, I don't know, Elsa from Frozen, a movie I've never seen. The boys won't watch it. Is she a superhero? I don't know. So it's, honestly, it's... Uh, mm, it's open it's, for interpretation. It's very traumatic, can I just say, dressing up things at school. But... I think we've I think we're sorted for we're sorted for tomorrow's superhero day. That's been my kind of focus oh, this exciting. week. Yeah, that's been the focus this week. Then I'm back to work this weekend. When you have you got a bit of a break now for back to work? Yeah, a few days, a few okay. days and then uh, and then back on it. And then I'll have Miami from next Wednesday, which I mentioned that, and I'm working on the ATP side of things. So I've mentioned the players who aren't there. As you say, it's in one half of the draw. It's an exciting opportunity um, for a player to go deep. But uh, no, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to us doing a pod next week when we've got one of the Masters underway. And that, and that again, will feel a little bit more normal. Do you see what I mean? Each time things feeling a, a little bit more normal. It, it is, yeah, definitely. Baby steps. Baby steps. Right, you need to go and see how Roger Andy is doing. He's just going to get more names. <laughs> I should have gone with the middle names. I'm just going to go and make sure that my Spider-Man and Sonic haven't changed their mind ahead of tomorrow. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.